Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. Listen for God's word. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of us grew up hearing the story of the little red hen. Perhaps not all of us. I learned this week that Pastor Garrett had never learned this story as a child. So maybe if you're like him and haven't heard it or if it has just been a while, I will fill you in. This is an American fable that dates back to the 1870s and is credited to Mary Maples Dodge. And it goes a little something like this. There is a little red hen living on a farm And one day she discovers wheat seeds in her path and she decides to plant them. So she looks around to her other animal friends on the farm and she asks them if they will help her sow these seeds. And in very fable-like dramatic language, the animals all tell her no. Not I, says the duck. Not I, says the pig. Not I, says the dog. So the little red hen sows the seeds herself. After some time, of course, the seeds sprout and wheat grows and there's a whole beautiful field full of wheat. And so the little red hen looks around and says, who will help me harvest this wheat? And once again, all of her friends deny her. Not I, not I, not I. So she does it herself. Then she asks them again who will help take it to the mill and who will help bring the flour home and who will help mix it together into bread and bake the bread and time and time and time again, all of the animal friends say, no, not I, I don't want to help. At the end of the story, the little red hen pulls a beautiful steaming loaf of bread out of the oven It smells delicious, and all of the animals come running, and the little red hen says, well, who will help me eat this bread? And they all say, I will, I will. I'll help you eat it. 
And she says, no. She looks at their drooling mouths and she says, you did not help me plant or harvest or mill or mix or bake. The bread is only for those who did the work. Then she takes the loaf of bread away and eats it herself, enjoying the fruits of her labor. And as we close the book, we can almost feel the other animals learning their lessons, stomachs growling, minds opening. The Little Red Hen is a good story with a solid moral. We are taught the importance of hard work, of helping, of taking personal initiative. We learn that rewards come to those who do the work, to those who contribute. It's a very American lesson, isn't it? Admittedly, one that Garrett and I are happy to teach our daughter the value of hard work and of responsibility. And you know, there's even some parallels to this story that we find in the Bible. In Matthew 25, Jesus speaks about separating sheep and goats in a judgment scene. And he says, where were you when I was hungry or thirsty or in prison or naked? For whenever you help the least of these and you provide food and drink and clothing and friendship, it's like you are serving me. Those who do the work of loving others have earned eternal life, and those who did not are cursed. Being a true follower of Jesus, we learn in Scripture, means that we have responsibility to help others, to serve, to give, and to love. But the parable that we just read today reminds us that responsibility isn't all there is to the gospel. In fact, it's not even the main point of the gospel. Jesus tells his followers in our section for today that the kingdom of God is like a sower scattering seeds, and the seeds take root and grow and grow even though the sower can't explain why. The sower doesn't force the seeds to sprout, doesn't push roots through, doesn't photosynthesize. The sower sits back and is amazed at the growth. Those nearly invisible beginnings of the kingdom of God turn into something magnificent and welcoming and life-giving because of God's great growing, not just because of what the sower does, not because of what we do. In this very first garden that Garrett and I are working on right now, we are humbled and learning how much we don't know. We have had help from many of you and we are very grateful. We've done a lot of research. We've got, we've had books. We have special tools designed for our garden. We have read the backs of seed packets. We've studied, but we are still total amateurs. And we've come to discover that really there's only so much you can learn and do anyway. In our garden, we planted those seeds. We showed you carrots and beans and also all kinds of other things. And we didn't have great expectations. 
We have a terrible track record with houseplants. And so we said to ourselves going into this garden, if we can produce one plant that has any kind of fruit on it, we will call it a victory. This is a learning year. It's the pep talk we gave ourselves as we were planting and every day since. But if you can imagine it, our garden is flourishing. Many of those seeds that we have planted have grown into great big plants. Those beans are about waist high now. We have bunches and bunches of spinach and more beets than we possibly know what to do with. And we have contributed, absolutely. We helped create a good environment. We got good soil. We have watered at the right times and learned what we could and tended to the seeds and plants as best as we know how. But by and large, that garden is doing the actual growing work without our help. The sun and the rain and God's glorious design have taken over and we can only humbly marvel at that growth that we have seen and weed every once in a while. The kingdom of God grows not because good Christians do the right things, but because God is at work anyway. Many of us take the little red hen work ethic into our lives of faith and we create systems of responsibility and earning and rewards and results. We like to imagine that it's up to us to bring God's kingdom to earth, to bring God's kingdom into the city or into the places that we travel doing short-term mission, into the lives of our children. We like to justify why our church is closer to true gospel truth than those other churches. And we expect recognition and rewards when we serve, when we follow the call of God. The kingdom of God grows at the will of God beyond our responsibility. To show this, Jesus says, consider the mustard seed. This tiny, tiny seed is sown into the ground and because of God's great growing, it becomes a great big shrub, so big that the birds come along and make a home in its shade. This very simple parable, one of the shortest in the Gospels, reveals something so profound about how God works. Most of the time we focus on the size part of this parable, that something so grand came from something so small, and that certainly is amazing, but I think the most magnificent part of this parable of the mustard seed is the fact that the birds find shelter in the shrub. It says that it has grown up and become the greatest of all shrubs, and these large branches are so large that the birds of the air can make nests in their shade. The kingdom of God provides shelter and care for birds. Those birds did not earn that shade or help the plant to grow. And not only did they not help up to that point, but my guess is that they're not always the best of tenants. If you've ever parked under a street light or a tree for any period of time, you've probably been blessed to see the evidence of birds splattered all over your windshield. They can be messy, they can be loud, 
Shelter in the shade of the mustard plant is a grace that these birds have been given. The kingdom of God is recognizable by the grace-filled home it provides for others. Even when it's not convenient, even when those others didn't do the work leading up to this point, and even when those others think and look differently than we do. Denominations, churches, and individuals who focus their attention on who deserves to be where are missing the point. The true kingdom of God extends beyond itself and offers a shady home for the weary. The true kingdom of God does not exclude. The true kingdom of God makes room and hosts others, even you. The little red hen culture we live in doesn't always know what to do with that kind of radical hospitality. It can feel threatening. But gracious homemaking is exactly what Jesus is about. And you know what's amazing? Once they have been given shelter, these birds actually contribute to the spread of that amazing life force of the mustard plant. They fertilize the soil with their droppings. They pick up seeds with their beaks and spread them to other places. The birds become a part of the growth of that kingdom, but only because they were first offered shelter. I'd like to share one last parable this morning. It's a true story, a parable of some of, the friend, some of my friends. Kathy and her life partner Susan lived in New York City for many, many years. And in the mid-80s, Kathy's job relocated her to a small town in western Colorado. The couple was nervous about moving. They didn't know how they would be received as a gay couple in a place that was much more conservative than where they were coming from. In New York at this time, they had a great community. They had lots of friends that supported them as individuals and as a couple. They had a church family. They had support. So as they prepared to move to Colorado, Kathy and Susan knew that they wanted to invest in a new church family and find a church home. And so it's the mid-80s. They got the phone book out, and they looked up all of the churches in that town, and they wrote them all letters. They introduced themselves, told them they were moving, and asked if they would be welcome in the midst of those churches. A couple of churches never even bothered to write back, but they got four responses. One church wrote back and said, you are welcome to be a part of this church as individuals, but not as a couple. As long as you don't act like a couple in our midst, you'll be fine and we'd be glad to have you. Another pastor wrote back and said, well, I would love to have you, but I have to warn you, there are members of my congregation that might not be so welcoming. You should know that some of our church members will likely have a problem with you. One church wrote back and flat out said, we cannot support your life choice, and we see your relationship as a sin. Come and visit us only if you have repented and changed your ways. Those letters and lack of responses from others understandably made Kathy and Susan wary. 
But then one last letter came in. It was from the pastor of a small congregation on the edge of town, and in big letters at the very start of the letter, he said, Welcome, friends. We are so glad to welcome you into our midst. Congratulations on your move, on the job. We cannot wait to meet you. Which one of these churches embodied the spirit of God's kingdom? None of us have truly deserved a place in that kingdom. None of us have done the sowing or the growing or the milling or the mixing or the baking. And yet we are all invited to share in the bread of life. On second Sundays here at Fort Street, we celebrate communion and we remember that truth that we are invited to a table that has been graciously set for us by the God of all creation. Jesus nourishes us in body and soul and gives us a shady place to make a home. Does your faith lead you to practice radical hospitality? Does our church community offer rest to those who are weary? I pray this week and always that we would be people who know God's great growth and who reach out and offer a shady place to rest. Would you pray with me? Holy God, I pray that we might be as radically welcoming as a mustard plant offering shade to your creatures. Lord, we know that we are called to love and to serve and to be responsible, but above all of that, God, we are called to rest in your grace and to know that we are loved exactly as we are. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.